it's like it's like saying you're from Rhode Island. Like nobody fucking gives a shit about Connecticut down here in Tennessee. Okay, Delaware. Okay, big whoop. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. Uh, I am your host, Michael Gillum. I have two lovely gentlemen joining me today, Zach Lyons and Michael Herndon. Uh, the three of us are brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. Come check us out. We would love to have you over there. Articles, podcasts, all kinds of lovely things. Come check us out, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Um, gentlemen, it is very much off-season. Mike and I were joking around before the uh, podcast even started recording, and it's just dawned on me that... Our football news is going to start getting thinner and thinner and thinner after this weekend's Super Bowl. But let's start with the two pieces of news that the Tennessee Titans decided to bury into a Friday. Titans have promoted Todd Downing, tight ends coach, to offensive coordinator. And then here's the part that I hate saying the most. Zach was right all along. They have promoted Shane Bowen to defensive coordinator. Or Did he even get promoted? They just officially gave him the title that he was already given. What the fuck ever? Let's start with Shane Bowen. Zach, take it away. Uh, fuck this move. I mean, we're football and other F-words. We cuss. We probably haven't dropped a lot of F-bombs lately. But fuck this move. I hate this move. It's utterly ridiculous. And there are a myriad of better candidates out there. We saw what Todd Downing can do. Just because he magically gets the title of defensive coordinator doesn't magically going to mean that, oh, I can call better plays now. I can do this. And I know that people are going to tow, those that tow the company line of the Titans are going to say, well, you you know, we can get better players and we can get this. We had good players last year, and I understand there were injuries here and there, but Kevin Byard's play just all of them sudden dropped off at the same time that Shane Bowen takes over play calling duties. We're just supposed to ignore that. Jeffrey Simmons gets completely erased towards the end of the year. The inside linebackers completely fall off for most of the games. I mean, I understand that Dory Jackson was injured and – we didn't get anything out of Clowney. Our outside linebackers, nothing out of Clowney, nothing out of Vic Beasley. Our outside linebackers were trash. And you know who also coached the outside linebackers? Shane, the loser, Bowen. And this is just a mess. And I don't understand what anybody has seen out of Shane Bowen in this coaching facility, in this facility over at the Titans, this, this coaching staff. Mike Frabel, John Robinson, I don't see what he's done to deserve this other than be horribly bad at it. Like, talk about failing upwards. It's it's unbelievable that someone could be so bad at their job and keep it. I get that it's the NFL and that happens all the time. Cough, cough, Adam Gase. But why do the Titans have to do that? And why are they putting us through another defensive a year where there's going to be another defensive performance that's going to be below average and substandard? Yeah, I think it's ridiculous that they promoted him. I mean, it, it was bad um, last year, obviously, just an abysmal defense that held them back the entire year. And it, it and the thing is, too, it never really got better as the year went on and I guess some of that could be personnel. They never really had more than one, maybe one and a half good corners 
on the field. They never had more than one uh, good pass rusher, at least past like what week eight or whenever Clowney stopped playing. Um, so there's, there's personnel reasons for, for them sucking too, but they just never got better. Um, and it's hard to have any real hope uh, about this choice. I was hoping that they'd go in a totally new direction defensively and, and bring in somebody with some fresh ideas from the outside, remake that staff a little bit. Um, but obviously, you know, they, they chose not to do it. And to me, I, you know, I know a lot of people were saying it's, Oh, Vrabel, Vrabel's ego and all this. And, and I don't know if it's necessarily ego. I think it's, I think he is convicted that his scheme, and, and this isn't just a Vrabel scheme. It's a, you know, it's basically a scheme that's come from originally New England through Romeo Cornell, through Dean Pease, uh, that it's kind of been modified and adapted and, and evolved over the years into whatever, whatever it is now. I don't think the scheme itself is broken. I, I think the implementation and the teaching of the scheme was problematic um, because I, I just, I mean, other, other defenses run similar schemes to what the Titans do. Um, they just run it better. So it, it's, it's not necessarily a, oh, the Titans defense is, is schematically flawed. It, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I just think it's not being taught well. Players don't look like they're playing fast, which is that's the biggest thing to me is your job as, as a coach is to put your players in position where they can play fast. I mean, Vrabel talks about all the time, know what to do, play fast and aggressive. The, the Titans defense was the opposite of that last year. They were slow and tentative. Uh, Rashawn Evans, Kevin Byard, even uh, they just looked a step slow to see stuff. And, and whether that's coaching points that they're being given to, to look at during the game and, and over whether it's over complication of, of the scheme or what they were asking them to do, whatever they did. And it's hard to know without being behind, you know, the doors at St. Thomas sports park, whatever they were doing, it was making them play slow and they have to go back to the drawing board and look at that uh, and figure out what that is. Now Vrabel's statement in the, the press release or the, the news dump, I guess uh, is the better way to put it was I guess slightly uh, uh, encouraging that he's at least aware of them needing to make changes on defense. You could see the the statement he made about Downing in the offense was a lot different than the statement he made about Bowen in the defense. Uh, he specifically said that uh, they're going to work hard to improve that side of the ball through better coaching, improving our system and our players. Uh, you know that that tells me that okay, he's at least aware uh, that, that it was not good enough. And, and maybe they do go back into the drawing board and change some things. That's, you have to hope that they will. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it's, it's impossible to be super encouraged by this hire. Um, the only thing you can do is kind of wait and see what happens. And, and what sucks is that, yeah, we had injuries, right? Or the Titans, you know, had injuries and all this stuff in, on defense but you don't go drop all the way down to bottom two, bottom three, just because of one or two injuries. Right. So to me, then, then you have all through the, all through the season towards the back half of the season. And even in the post game or postseason pressers, basically he's saying it's the players 
I mean, essentially, that's what Vrabel's alluding to pretty ham-fistedly, you know, throughout his thing is just blaming the players, and it's their fault. And to me, when you see Todd Downing get announced and you see uh, Shane Bowen get announced and you see players comment under Todd Downing and how happy they are for him, and you don't see anything really from the defensive players on the side of the ball, you know, congratulating Shane Bowen. Kind of tells you a lot right there, and I'm a little concerned about – I think Vrabel has a good, firm grip on the locker room, but I'm a little concerned about the defensive players and how they interact with Shane Bowen going forward. Maybe I'm just reading too much into, you know, I'm just maybe reading too much into social media stuff, but I do think it's very, it's a very different locker defensive locker room versus the offensive locker room in respects to these, these hires. And you're okay. Maybe you are reading too much in the social media, but I'm like you, I couldn't help but notice that the only thing I really saw about Bowen was Darren Bates tweeting out Titans Twitter is awful pissed off today or something, something along those lines. Right. And yeah, I'm reading too into it. I'm reading into the silence from everyone else, but it felt like a Friday news dump, which is pretty much exactly what it was. And then I got to go back to what Mike was saying. And what really bugs me about this is to build on exactly what Zach was just saying too. If it's on the players, then the Titans are going to have to go after a hell of a lot of defensive personnel this offseason, which we knew they were going to do anyway. But if if it's just something that they could have fixed on the scheme, on the on the actual coaching side of it that was making players play unsure, how are they not able to figure that out during the season and at least fix some of it? Because it seems like it just got progressively worse. So I don't understand. Did, are we waiting to the offseason to just completely look at it, retool, and figure out what the deal was so then that means it's on the players or you've identified it was a problem with the coaching, but you're going to give that same coach a second chance to completely fuck this up more. It It's weird. And, and not to make an excuse for him, but I do wonder if, you know, they, they had their buy essentially scooted around because of the whole COVID thing during the season. So they didn't get that week of adjustment. They didn't get the preseason to kind of work in and, and, you know, work out the kinks and they didn't get the off season. So there, there were some things that for breaking in a new play caller, a guy that had never done this before. um, There were some things that I think made it a little extra difficult this year. Now, other first year player callers had really nice seasons, you know, including uh, uh, Josh Boyer down in Miami. He was first time he's ever called plays at the NFL level. Miami had a great defense. Now I just wrote about, part of why that is and I think a lot of what Miami did was player related they went out and got better players and their defense went from 32nd in the league and scoring defense to sixth uh in one year so I I think scheme is important I think scheme's probably more important on offense um because defense is so reactionary it's about having rules and understanding assignments on defense and being able to react quickly and if the Titans overcomplicated things and need to pare it back down or make things easier for the players, then they need to do that. But, but I do think that making in-season adjustments this year was probably harder than in years past because of the fact that their bye week was essentially in week four because they had the COVID thing. And obviously they weren't able to make any adjustments during that time off because they were 
<laughs> scrambling, uh, trying to figure out who was who all how big this outbreak was going to get and everything like that. So I, I don't know. It's but I agree. You know, you should be able to if it's just over complication, take some shit out during the week. You know, like it, that shouldn't be that hard to do. I just don't find that Shane Bowen has the mental capacity to overcomplicate anything. I, I just, we don't, I just we don't find, know I anything a, about his mental capacity. I mean, well, I mean, obviously, it's not it's not good on defense because he doesn't have the mental capacity to call defensive plays properly. Zach went right after a man's middle capacity. Listen, I want him <laughs> off the team. I, him and Isaiah Wilson could be packaged. They can get on their little boat, get on uh, Isaiah Wilson's boat, and sell off down the Cumberland River to somewhere fucking else because I'm so sick of these two people just – dominating our whole season and essentially i mean shane bowen is the reason that we lost a lot of games is because of the defense and i i understand that the defense played one good game against a mediocre offense in lamar jackson that's a one-dimensional offense that you don't really have to worry a lot about besides him running and they played well but when they go up against multi-dimension offense teams they struggle and i'm just sick of it i'm, I'm sick that you know Towards the end of last year, everything was uh, of last season. Everything was looking good for the Titans, and then Dean Pease all of a sudden retires. Now he's unretiring because you know he can't make up his fucking mind. And then you know, so we got left with Shane Bowen, and we all had to sit here all season and watch this putrid defense just fall off. And he still gets a job. I mean, it's ridiculous. And and then you know we got Isaiah Wilson. Like put him on a boat. Send them on a love cruise somewhere and, you know, just hope you never see them again. That's, I mean, I'm just so sick of it. I hate that we have to sit through another offseason and another freaking season of watching Shane Bowen just fumble the bag constantly week after week. I like that uh, Zach is shipping uh, Isaiah Wilson and Shane Bowen. Yeah. I want them, I want them out. I want them in the sun. On a, the lo- sun. on a love boat, nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I they can go with those Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> I'm in no position to question anybody's mental facilities, okay? For almost a year now, I've been sitting in a house by myself, maybe losing a grip on reality, you know? (laughs) Not going to discuss it at all. Let's let's go more to the positive side. Is this positive? We're going to the positive side. Todd Downing, tight ends coach. Zach, go wild. Well, I, I think it is positive. You know, at first, I wasn't too keen on Todd Downing, and then... um. After just putting out a little harmless tweet about, you know, Keith Carter staying because, you know, other people got hired over Atlanta, it, I, Karan Davenport had put out something about um, Mike Zimmer uh, firing John Filippo, who brought in Todd Downing, right? So he fired uh, Filippo because he passed too much, and Mike Zimmer's a moron, and he wants to run the ball more. So um, the... I was like, okay, well, maybe there is more to Todd Downing than just that Raiders thing, that stint as Raiders um, offensive coordinator. And, oh, my God, was there so much freaking drama surrounding his stint as offensive coordinator with the Oakland Raiders. I mean, it was ridiculous. Basically, Mike Tice and Jack Del Rio just didn't really like hanging out with Bill Musgrave, who got a really a lot out of this offense. And they pushed him out and made up these rumors that teams were calling on Todd Downing. 
and convinced the Davis family that and and the general manager in Oakland that hey, we need to fire Bill Musgrave and get this young hot shot a chance to be offensive coordinator. And so they fired Bill Musgrave because he's not a great drinking buddy. Hired this guy who's never called plays and Todd Downing, who was uh, I believe 35 when he got the job. And then they forced their version of the offense onto Todd Downing and basically gave him a uh, recovering from broken fibula injury, which we've seen what that did to Marcus and Derek Carr, who then broke his back in the middle of the year, who then supposedly told people that they should stand for the anthem. Now, this is according to Kiko... um, Oh, Alonzo. Uh, not Kiko Alonso. Oh, no, uh, Kiko Frank Grimes', Grimes wife, yeah, yeah, yeah. who yeah. who is a nut job, by the way. If, if anybody has followed Ryan Tannehill's career, she's considered the source when I say this. Uh, but apparently, the offensive line decided they did, weren't going to block for Derek Carr because they were the only uh, all African American offensive line. He told them all that they need to stand and be Patriots or whatever. And so, I mean, insane year for Todd Downing and they were still somehow with the the husk of Marshawn Lynch right who was about I don't know about as old as Frank Gore I feel like at that time at that point in time he was definitely younger than Frank Gore but they still had the 14th ranked offensive uh, offense in DVOA and now listen, I know that people are going to box score scout and look at quarterback wins and look at, oh, well, they were 26 in this category and this. In categories that matter, they weren't that bad. And I think that has a, I think the biggest problem was that the Raiders had tons of drops. All this to say, do not worry about what happened in 2017 with the, uh, go read the article. That goes a lot more in depth and everything, but it's really more of the fault of Jack Del Rio and Mike Tice in their uh, bro their bro club that they had going on and just the personnel that they had. I mean, Derek Carr broke his back in the middle of the season and he still played and he was coming off the broken fibula. And then Amari Cooper had 17 drops uh, with three games left. They ended up uh, tied for second in the league with 38 that year. The Giants had barely beat them towards the end of the year. But they ranked 13th in offensive efficiency, 12th in passing offense efficiency, 11th in third down offense, 11th in rushing offense efficiency, 21st in explosive passive plays, not great, 19th in explosive run plays. They weren't very explosive, and they were 27th in red zone offense. But they were dropping all kinds of stuff. And to me, and they didn't have a running game. So to me, this is all going to be better when you have a better, a completely better offensive team from top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah. I think the uh, context of that season is very important to consider when you're looking at it because it it is a crazy season. I kind of want a 30 for 30 on just the 2017 Raiders now. Uh, Because, yeah, you remember they were coming off of that 12 and four season, and Carr was a borderline MVP, which Downing was his quarterback coach, by the way. He also was the quarterback coach for Matthew Stafford uh, when he had his breakout season in Detroit. So, Downing has had a lot of success grooming young quarterbacks before. And I know uh, from listening to uh, the OTP, uh, the official Titans podcast this week, they were talking about uh, Downing, and they mentioned that. 
in the building in in St. Thomas Sports Park, he did a lot more than just coach tight ends last year. They said he was involved very much throughout the offense. Um, so I think the writing was kind of on the wall. And I honestly think that when the Titans went out and got Downing uh, two years ago, in the back of their mind, they thought this is the guy that's the offense, the, the next offensive coordinator if Arthur Smith goes on and, and, you know, does his thing. Or, you know, frankly, if Arthur Smith busted, because I, I can't imagine Vrabel knew for sure which way Arthur Smith was going to turn out. He might have had a good feeling about it. Obviously, he did. Uh, or he wouldn't have given him the job, but there was a chance at least that Arthur Smith could have gone down the tubes uh, and you needed a new offensive coordinator, you know, for the wrong reason. Um, so I think the Titans did go get downing with the idea that he could be the next, you know, offensive coordinator for the team uh, depending on what happened with Arthur. So I, I think this is smart. I think it's, it's, it, I wanted an internal candidate all along. Now, I know we talked about Keith Carter a lot, and you know maybe that was never realistic based on what they were trying to do with Downing. Um, but I, I still think Carter has the potential to eventually be a good offense coordinator. Who knows? Maybe he will be the next guy if Downing has a head coaching job in two years. But um, I, I think this is a good move. I think it's good to keep continuity in the offense. And, and Downing will have – he has enough experience in other systems that – he can bring his own spin to the offense too. And, and he has enough outside ideas and recent outside experience that it's not just going to be, you know, an echo chamber in there. I think he can, he can grow the offense and kind of evolve it uh, the way that we were hoping that, that maybe they would with, you know, an outside, outside hire if they'd gone that route. Well, it's good news for Darrington Evans. Cause I think that he will get involved more in the passing game and he probably would have been involved more if he was healthy this year in a lot of these games. And I think adding that extra dimension to the offense is going to be great. The, the pass catching running back. And then we're going to also probably see a lot more shotgun. I think we're going to see a lot more passing on early downs too. Um, I, th I think you're, I think fans will be happy much like when we went from Lafleur to Art, from Art to Todd, I think there will be basically essentially the same thing, but with a lot of different wrinkles and stuff. And, I mean, we know that he's called plays before, and we know he's been efficient when calling plays, and now he has the possibility of being explosive. It's really going to depend on what we do with the offensive personnel that are becoming free agents and, and not only our own, but across the NFL. But – you're, you're right. I, I think what's great about Todd is probably the same thing that's great about Art. Now, Todd's dad didn't get him a job, to my knowledge, and I know <laughs> that Art owes everything to his father. But, you know, I open up the article with this. You know, tell me if you've heard this before. A man at age 25 gets his first coaching job as a, a quality control coach for an NFL team. He then becomes a defensive quality control for another team. And soon after that gets an offensive quality control coach, a, a, a position. Then he works his way up to assistant position coach and then is promoted to actual position coach with that same team. And he parlays that into becoming an offensive coordinator at age 34. It's essentially the same path as Arthur Smith, just with a probably a few different uh, it, instead of all with the same team, it was with two or three teams. But this is a guy that essentially has worked his way up and got an offensive coordinator job with dubious reasons behind it. 
but he's worked his way up. And from everything that you've heard about Todd is that the, the quarterbacks who have worked with him have been very happy with working with him. And he's gotten the most out of the quarterbacks. And again, I, I, Mike kind of alluded to it and talked about it. And I just want to reiterate, we get to keep Keith Carter and Pat O is, uh, is it Pat or Sean? God dang, I do that all the time. Pat, Pat O'Hara. Pat. I always yeah. want to do Sean O'Hara, Sean is which former, uh, is the former Giants offensive lineman. But yeah. Pat, we get to keep Pat and Keith, and they're going to be still be at their position coaches, which were really good. And you got to assume that the wide receiver coach stays and the running back coach stays. Keeping those guys intact are just as important <laughs> as promoting from within the offensive coordinator. And I seriously still don't know what art Smith's doing and assembling his offensive staff, but thank you to art Smith for not taking anybody from our offensive staff at all. You know, I almost wonder because I find that very interesting too. almost and LaFleur didn't do it either. I almost wonder if Rabel is saying, look, you, you can't, you can't raid my staff. Like I'll, I'll promote you and try to help you get a job, but you can't come back and come after my staff. Um, I wonder if that's if that's not something he's doing now. I mean, that doesn't stop a lot of other coaches from from doing it when they get their head gig, because obviously at that point you're you're in business for yourself. But um, I know uh, it seems odd to me that both Lafleur and Smith left and didn't take a single offensive coach from the Titans uh, and or a single coach period from the Titans with them when they left, because that's that's very strange um, in general. That's that's I think unusual. Um, so yeah, that, I, I wonder if there's not some agreement that he's making behind the scenes. That's like, Hey, stay away from my guys. Mike was just lording over them as they're packing their boxes in the office, reminding them that it, any one of them can get urban mired at any time. I will grab you by the throat and put you against the wall. So let me ask about Shane Bowen one more time. Let me go back to the next time. So if it, this kind of seems like to me, and it, maybe I'm reaching here, but it almost feels like to me, it's like throwing it back on John Robinson. Like, Hey, personnel's a problem and you're going to have to fix it in the off season. It almost seems like to me that John Robinson's going to have to have almost a damn perfect off season, including the draft on the defensive side of the ball, considering what a train wreck the misses on pass rush were. I, am I reading too much into that? Yes and no. Like John Robinson already had the pressure put on him. But there is an extra little bit of pressure on him because, you know, if he goes out and gets all these people like he did last year, but they don't ever develop those guys or get those guys going, then it can't technically. I know that we blame John Robinson for a lack of pass rush, but he did try, right? And the coaching staff yeah. did nothing with Jadavian Clowney and did nothing with Vic Beasley. And, you know, it is what it is with Vic. I mean, you can only do so much, obviously, but they did nothing with them from a coaching standpoint. So John Robinson gave them two tools and they did nothing with it. You know, so yeah, there is a lot of pressure on him, but there is always already going to be a lot of pressure on John Robinson. However, if he goes out and gets some, some toys to play with and they do shit with them, who there's no one left to blame on either side. It's either... Yes, it was the personnel, and they get them all these uh, nice players. But if they get them all these players, is it really the coaching that really, or is it really that John Robinson got? 
it's it's a symbiotic relationship. It's hard to differentiate sometimes between going out and getting good players and whether the coaching maximized or the coaching or the players just overshadowed their incompetency. Here's the reason I, I had struggled to blame the coaching for Beasley and Clowney because Beasley didn't show up for 10 days before he even met the coaches. Right. I mean, he, yeah, he clearly he came in not giving a shit. He left not giving a shit. I, I don't think, you know, sure. A coach could possibly, you know, get, get in his ear and motivate him and all that. But I, I, I think Beasley, his ship had sailed. It's not like he did anything with the Raiders either when he went there. So I, I think, Beasley and, hey, and he got a sack, those red flags got one more did sack he? over at the Raiders <laughs> than he did with us. Okay, one hundred percent better. His, yeah, his big sack, uh, his nine nine and a half million dollar sack. Um, he, uh, but yeah, I, I think Beasley in in those those red flags existed before they signed him, right? I mean, everybody with the Falcons, the Falcons basically put bought out a banner. Uh, ad above the the stadium that said, uh, "Hey Vic, go fuck yourself." Like that that essentially is what they did, tweeting out that they were not going to be pursuing him in free agency. Um, I'm going to the fridge. Bye, 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 bye. No, no, no. Say right, less. We'll All right. <laughs> um. So I, I think Beasley was a lost cause, and then Clowney was what he's always been. Right? He gets injured, and he doesn't get as many sacks as you think he'd probably get. I mean, that's, that's basically what he did in Seattle the year before when he had three sacks. He obviously had three less here, but he played fewer games too. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's it was a buyer beware situation on both of those guys for the reasons that it ended up scalding John Robinson. So I think he kind of got what he paid for with both players, and I don't think the coaching staff necessarily is to blame there for not avoiding those potholes. Um, but – I will but I mean, say he this. hires those guys in mind that they're going to be able, that the coaching staff's going to get something out of them. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and I'm, you know, I'm sure Rabel probably asked for Clowney too. He obviously had the relationship there, that kind of thing. I, I get that. But and I, and I get the Beasley. Guess, I'm not really wanting to include Beasley, but I mean, John Robinson, the only reason I included he, he, Beasley is because John Robinson tried to address the pass rush. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, he did try. He, he just tried in the wrong in the wrong way. You know, yeah. I think like he went after he went after guys that were, I guess, bigger names and and maybe like you know athletes versus guys that had been consistently productive or guys that that you know. And, and they always talk about you know you got to love football and all that. I'm not sure those guys love football that much. You know, I, I'm just not sure. Um, and that being said, I, I do think. To that same point, improving the personnel could make a huge difference with this defense. I mean, I, again, to go back to that Dolphins example, they were dead last in defense in every metric you could find in, in 2019. And they had Patrick Graham as their defensive coordinator. They Patrick Graham left to go to the Giants in 2020, and they promoted Josh Boyer, uh, who was their passing game coordinator, secondary coach, to D.C., and the defense jumped from 32nd to 6th in scoring defense. Now, they also went out and signed Byron Jones, giving them two really good corners with him and Xavier Howard. They went out and signed Kyle, Kyle Van Noy. They went out and signed Emmanuel Ogba, who turned out to be probably the best pass rusher uh, from that last free agent class, which nobody saw coming, right? Nobody saw Emmanuel Ogba being one of 
the like Emmanuel Ogba, Ogba and Leonard Floyd ended up being the two guys out mm-hmm. of that draft class or out of that free agent class that really showed up. Uh, and, and I think that has to do with coaching. Like to me, because, you it, know, it, even the Rams defense was really, really good. It, it might, but they went and got pieces that fit, right? So they right. got pieces that fit what they were wanting to do. They went out and got Shaq Lawson, who he didn't produce in a big way, but he still gave them another kind of credible uh, edge rusher. Um, so they went out and aggressively got guys in free agency that fit their system, that knew what to do, and they made a leap. Well, Patrick Graham, who, you know, if you want to just say, all right, well, they got a new coordinator, that's why. Well, Patrick Graham, who was the coordinator of that 32nd ranked defense, went to the Giants, and the Giants defense made a leap from 30th up to like borderline top 10. So I don't think it was Patrick Graham being a shitty defensive coordinator that was holding them back. I think it was the players. And if you look at what the Giants did with Graham coming in, they also went and got a bunch of players. They went and got Blake Martinez, who played really, really well for them at linebacker last season. They went and got uh, Logan Ryan, who played really well for them at safety, and they just re-signed to a a long-term deal. They went and got James Bradbury, who was one of the best corners on the market. So those guys came in and played well and elevated those defenses so i think if the titans want to fix this you have to go get pieces that can come in and play well and yes you probably have to get some injury luck too because if you go lose your top corner your third corner your top inside linebacker and your second best edge rusher all in the same season that's gonna hurt right but you've got to go get better pieces for them to be able to rush the passer and defend wide receivers. That, that is all that this comes down to is can you either cover or pass rush? If you can do one or the other, you can make, make it work uh, on the other end as long as you're adequate. You can't be bad at both, and that's what the Titans were last year. They, were, they could not rush the passer. They could not cover, and you, there's no scheme that hides that. There just isn't. So I think you've got to go get players that fit that that work that can improve and elevate this defense and that has to be done in free agency drafting uh, the the dolphins drafted noah Ig- Ig- again I, I, i'm gonna butcher that last name but uh 30th overall one pick after uh isaiah wilson it, he got benched for a, a guy that was a second year undrafted rookie uh or undrafted uh free agent like after about four or five games so it's not like he came in and and helped them a lot this this past year it's it's you've got to go get your help in free agency for this year you draft for 2022 and beyond yeah uh Shaq Lawson had 18 quarterback hits by the way that's his that's tied for his most of his career so which was last year was 18 he did have some some production then yeah well there's what that's right there. And this is where Zach's going to have to cover his ears because daddy's going to say naughty things. But I, (laughs) this is, this is what gives me a glimmer of hope that the Shane Bowen promotion could actually work out is that the, the personnel that Shane had on the field and the limitations with injury and pass rushers who apparently didn't want to play football is I'm willing to chalk that up as a loss, right? John Robinson said, look, I provided you the toys. I apologize. They didn't show up to want to play football, but at the same time, you know, you had a lot of injuries on the field. That's the only part of this that does give me a glimmer of hope that, okay, reset, get to the off season. It's been a weird shitty year with COVID and everything else. Let's reevaluate and see what we can do with the, with new personnel to be coming in in the off season. So I'll, 
I'll at least say that. I don't know if that's fair enough, but I'll at least say that. I mean, there is hope. Like if you go out and get Carl Lawson and um, Ryan Kerrigan and possibly get a cornerback or restructure Malcolm Butler and maybe get an inside linebacker and get some help on the defensive line, there is help. There is hope that, things get better the problem is is that we're heading into a limited salary cap year and we really don't know how much the titans are going to have to spend and can they afford to do what the dolphins did last year with their copious amounts of free agent cash that they had so that's that's my biggest concern is that you know it's it we're we're kind of in wait and see mode about free agency right we don't know what the cap's going to be for sure we don't know what we're technically going to do. We know we can, we're like, what, seven mil over the cap, but we can free up 50 mil if we do every little thing that's in your article at they, Broadway Sports they, Media. They could go They could go way over 50 mil if they did everything. Now, yeah. they, they could get to 50, I think, pretty comfortably. If but, they, they I mean, they got to do it, and they got to think they can do it, and the players got to agree to it and all this stuff. And then what if you – have to cut Malcolm Butler, then there's another hole. And what if you don't bring Jay on Brown? There's another hole. The the road to get there to where the Titans can have that Miami influx of free agent talent that actually is good. Not like not Jack Crawford. You know, we don't need five Jack Crawfords on here. We need, you know, three or four James Bradberries or three or four, you know, excellent players it's going to be really hard for us to get there. And that's the problem I think I'm having that if, if the players are the issue and we're in a year where the salary cap is, is working against us and all intents and purposes, it's working against us right now. How do we get there and see that Shane Bowen is at least can do a top 15 defense, a top 20 defense. I mean, that's really all I'm asking for is really just top 20. I feel like, I feel like that's all the Titans need is like top 20, and they should be fine because everything else, and I, I, I'm sure we're about to get into it, but everything else in the AFC South is coming up, coming up Titans, coming up two-tone blue with everything else that's going on. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it's not like I'm not asking for a top five defense. Sure. I mean, I'd love to see it, but what did we say all season, right? The Titans defense just needs to be bad and the offense for all of its star power can, can make up for it. So I... I really honestly think the defense has nowhere to go other than to be better because mother of fuck was it atrocious all year. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm positive on it. I'm willing to give Bowen the benefit of the doubt. Let's start fresh, get into the season and see what happens because yes, the AFC South is a lovely, lovely train wreck. Let's start with the Texans real quick. Deshaun Watson now officially wants out of the Texans, which comes as a huge surprise to anyone who's not paying attention. Um, so youth director, pastor, Jack Easterby has had his way. Grandma Warren tongue has been chewing in the ear of Cal McNair and it's working, working flawlessly. Who would like to start first? Mike, I'm going to start with you. Tell me about the Texans and why does this make you gleeful? It's amazing. They, they went out, they went out and hired a 65 year old coach who is, had never been higher than a position coach in his entire NFL career. 
who was the wide receivers coach for the Chiefs when they had zero wide receivers catch a touchdown pass all year. That's impossible to do in modern football, and yet he did it. Uh, and then his last job was Ravens passing game coordinator, which, you know, some of the smart people that I follow on Twitter had been bemoaning the lack of a, of a Ravens passing game coordinator uh, recently until they realized that they actually had one. He's just apparently really bad at his job. So <laughs> this is the guy that the Texans go out and get out of all the options uh, that were out there. Maybe he's the only guy that would actually take the job. I don't know, but it, then the media comes out and, and you know how the media goes and it's funny. I don't think anyone, any NFL team hired a bad coach this, uh, this cycle. If you listen to uh, the national media um, and everyone's talking about, Oh, David Cully's such a good guy. He's so nice. Uh, we're, I'm so happy for him and all this stuff. Guess what? When all people have to say about your job performance is that you're a really nice guy. That means you usually suck at your job. It's yeah. not, Oh, look at what he did with so-and-so and so-and-so it's well, he's nice. You know, he's, he's always smiling, you know, coming into the office, you know, every, very popular. Uh, I, I just, it's to me, it's a horrible hire. It's a comical hire. Um, and then of course, Deshaun Watson comes out and requests a trade. And I do love the pettiness of Deshaun Watson to request the trade the night or the night after uh, the coaching hire was announced right before they were about to do the entry pre, uh, introductory press conferences. So he basically just took a giant dump uh, right on that press conference because that's all anybody wanted to talk about at that point. So it's just all delicious in Houston right now, and I'm loving every second of it. And I cannot wait to see how far this dumpster fire gets because the best thing that could happen is that the Texans drag their feet trading his ass and don't get anything. And he's holding out for half the season and they don't have any picks or players to show for it. So that would be the ideal scenario. Uh, so let's, let's see how far we can make this go. Pastor Jack. I am, I am voting and rooting for a holdout because I don't want them to have any kind of draft capital, even though I'm not very confident that they're going to be able to do anything with it because Nick Casario, who they hired and have been trying to hire for the last three years, has been part of the Patriots organization and has had horrid draft classes. Yeah. The draft classes have not been good in New England. <laughs> ever <laughs> since John Robinson left, by the way. Yeah, but yeah. ever since John Robinson left, it hasn't been good. So I'm not really too scared if the, you know, it's much like when the Jaguars have all these draft picks. I'm not scared. Like, let them have all these draft picks that they want because they're not going to be... It's very hard to find instant impact players. If you look at the Colts, and I know everybody loves Chris Ballard, blah, blah. His He's had, like, I think it was either 38 draft picks since he started, and only about seven or eight of them actually are contributors and hit or are still on the team. Like, it's hard to take your draft capital that when you have that much and actually hit on all the picks that when it really matters, it's very rare. And to me, it's like, okay, if Chris Ballard is having a difficult time doing it, then Nick Casario and uh, Shad Khan down in um, uh, Jacksonville. I know that Trent bulky, I guess is the title GM, but we all know Khan is a, he already said that he's going to do all the player personnel and stuff. Let them. And Trent bulky is nothing to be scared of either. So, I'm all in on this offseason so far, and I want Deshaun Watson to hold out because I think it would be great because who are they going to be able to draft in the draft if they don't have some extra picks and stuff? 
and then so Deshaun, AJ McCarron season, baby. Yeah. So there you go, right there. They it would be beautiful for them not to have get any picks, and then he's just sitting out, and they're kind of stuck with what they got. But look at David Coley. He's that's the only job I think he interviewed for, right? I don't think he got any other head coaching interview requests. And you know the Ravens were like, oh, we're getting David Culley out of here, and we're getting two third-round picks in return because of the minority hire. They're like, hell yeah, see you, David Culley. <laughs> because, I mean, this guy sucks. I just don't get it. He's not never been a, a really good head coach. Glad he's a nice guy, and, you know, there you go. He's a nice guy. Big whoop. Who gives a shit? <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be very, Brable, he'll be very listen, popular. Brable's at, uh... kind of a dickhead, and he's he's at least winning. I don't see that. I don't see nice guy translating to wins on the field. Yeah, listen, I I say this as non-braggingly as possible. I have fired way too many nice guys in my positions as any portion of management or whatever. Um, let's flip over to the Jaguars. So um, the coaching staff that Urban Meyer is assembling, does this do anything for you, Zach? Oh, it does a lot for me. And the fact that I have been laughing hysterically since the fact that they hired last night, Brian Schottenheimer. Speaking of horrible <laughs> passing game coordinators, by the way, Brian Schottenheimer as their passing game coordinator the guy who is known for running the ball the most in the NFL for over the last few years, who has been notoriously a bad offensive coordinator who recently got bailed out and got lucky because he got Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf, which their passing offense flew off the rails towards the end of the year, as you know, as a DK Metcalf fantasy owner, because Brian Schottenheimer is a moron. He is essentially the Shane Bowen of offenses. He's, <laughs> and I, I cannot believe that Brian Schottenheimer, and I'm loving it, by the way. I am so happy that Brian Schottenheimer, who some people thought that he should be offensive coordinator here, is down in Jacksonville as a passing game coordinator in charge of getting the most out of a rookie quarterback in their passing game. Beautiful. What a beautiful disaster is going on in Jacksonville. You couldn't have scripted anything better. You have Urban Meyer, who is constructing a an offense that looks like it's not going to be explosive at all when he's possibly going to have one of the most talented rookie quarterbacks in this draft class. And on top of all that, he's been over under 1.5 years before he quits. I mean, like, you know he could quit in the middle of next season. We yeah. don't know. And it's going to, it's just, it's a train wreck. It's a, it's just a train wreck and I'm here for it. And I'm so glad that everything is just coming up Titans. I mean, you just can't ask for anything better right now throughout the whole AFC South, but Brian Schottenheimer. Oh my God. What a the, fucking clusterfuck it is down there. I love the irony that he's going to be passing game coordinator yeah. too. I mean, that's, that's the cherry on top of the whole thing is, you know, of all things, he's the passing game coordinator, the guy that doesn't want to pass. I saw a Seahawks fan react on Twitter with enjoy the first eight games Jaguars, then turn it off and tell yourself you won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, it, it's what happened. I mean, you saw it 
I don't know how anybody can say that Brian that Brian Schottenheimer is is another Adam Gase person that shouldn't be getting jobs. And Brian Schottenheimer definitely 100% has gotten jobs because of his dad. Where's the Bomani Jones tweet about Brian Schottenheimer right now? So over under 2.5 years um, that Trevor Lawrence is going to, maybe I should say 3.5 years that Trevor Lawrence is going to be demanding out of Jacksonville, much like Deshaun Watson when he has no one to throw to and he's running for his life in the back. I mean, if you're Trevor Lawrence and you see that, don't you demand and pull an Eli Manning and demand a trade? I know. I mean, I would, I would, I would, I would re- reverse my decision to come out of and just go back to college and maybe even opt out of college because COVID will probably still be around. You may get that chance. I mean, yes. I would not be going to Jacksonville with Brian Schottenheimer as my offensive coordinator or my passing game coordinator and Daryl Bevel. I mean, they got Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer, the last two Seahawks offensive coordinators <laughs> working with this guy. And then on top of that, you don't have a head coach that's going to be there long-term. Why Why go to this disaster? I would wait. I would just wait. I know that the number one pick is not going to be sexy all the time, a sexy team, but I'd much rather have been Joe Burrow going to the Bengals than Trevor Lawrence going to the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. I, if I'm the XFL, I would be on the phone with him saying, we will name the fucking league after you if you play for us for one year. One year, do whatever you want. Go to whatever team you want. Don't go to Jacksonville. We'll name the league after you can go to the NFL the next year. Here's the highest that any Brian Schottenheimer coordinated team has ever ranked in passing. 14th. And that was with Russell Wilson <laughs> at quarterback. Good God. luck, Jacksonville. Yeah. Congratulations on that. So, um, Let's talk about the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 55 coming up this weekend. Uh, Kansas City at Tampa. It's the first time a home team has ever hosted the Super Bowl. Um, was not aware of that going into this, but this is the very first time that, that a uh, team has been hosting the Super Bowl and is actually appearing in it. Um, I was just telling Mike before we lit up the mics that uh, I it's the Super Bowl and I'm going to watch it and it's a good matchup. Don't get me wrong. I have nothing wrong with the matchup, but I don't know what it is. I'm not, I'm not like excited. I'm not, I'm not like looking forward to the Super Bowl. I'm looking forward to watching a football game, but that's about it. And we could bet on it, right? I mean, like that's we can, what's another yeah, crazy thing is like I'm not even enticed right now or intrigued enough to bet one way or the other. And it's odd, right? It is odd. And I don't feel there's any hype around any of the commercials that are coming out or anything. You know, usually there's some hype around commercials. I understand yeah. it's COVID and all that, but there's no super, I, unless I'm not invited to one, there's no Super Bowl parties that I am aware of out of our group. Don't, of don't tell don't, Zach about it. Don't tell yeah, Zach. Don't about t- it. Hey. <laughs> so, you know, I'm probably going to be here at home by myself, you know, just for those that may be throwing a party somewhere out there that's listening to this. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't know. It's, just, it's weird, right? It's a weird Super Bowl. And yeah, you know, it is. Like, I want Kansas City to win, but. Like, I really don't care who wins, to be honest with you. I really don't. I, I'm more excited about it, I guess, than you guys. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of like... You I found the guys of, hosting a party. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the party's going to be great. It's going to... I mean, awesome. Um, I, I, I think the teams are really good. I'm excited. Like, I loved watching Patrick Mahomes play in general, so I think that'll be fun, and especially against a good defense. Um, but I, I think the... I think the thing that I'm missing in this whole thing is like the buzz. It doesn't 
feel like the Super Bowl week. It, it doesn't feel like everything is coming to you live from Tampa Bay and, and all that stuff, which obviously it's not. Um, but it, I guess that buzz and that the media week and, you know, all the radios being down on like Radio Row and all that stuff, like that part of it, I guess always felt like that was that was a part of my preparation for the Super Bowl. Um, and this year just kind of feels like it's like another another game um, with everything on the line, obviously, but it's it's the I guess buzz and hype around it is not quite what it usually is. And maybe that's why I'm, you know, it's, it's just kind of, I like the matchup. I just don't, uh, the rest of it. I just don't know how it's all going to. I've enjoyed all this uh, AFC South news more than anything. I mean, like Stafford not going to the Colts was beautiful. And we didn't even get to talk about yes. that, but the Colts. Oh yeah, are, I didn't even bring that up. Yeah, the Colts are really hamstrung currently with quarterback options. I guess it's Jacob Beeson and Jacoby Brissett, the double Jacobs, you know, uh, up there in Indianapolis. But like, I'm more interested in everything that's going off around the NFL that's not to do with these two teams. Yeah, let me let me transition out of this real quick because I totally fucked that up. Super Bowl is weekend. Enjoy it. Fry yourself some food. Act like you're going to a party. Who gives a shit? It's the Super Bowl. We're going to watch Tom Brady again. Moving on. That's set aside. We'll talk about it next week. The Rams traded golf and gave away the fucking farm. <laughs> hey, look, they desperately wanted to get rid of golf, apparently. And apparently he wanted to. He sent some text messages about Sean McVay's wife. But I find it totally interesting and a little, it feels like it should be a little illegal. I'm not sure, but that Sean McVay and his wife and Matt Stafford and his wife were both in Cabo at the same time when this deal went down. I find that a little shady, but I don't care because it just means that uh, Matt Stafford's not with the, the Colts. That's all that matters. Now, uh, Jared Goff still technically has to pass his physical. So if the Detroit Lions have buyer's remorse, they can still technically fail his physical and reverse the whole thing. But they made out really well with it. They're getting a lot of draft capital and their GM is from the Rams. So he knows all about, you know, Jared Goff. He knows what he's getting, right? He's not, you know, it's no secret what Jared Goff is and he knows what he's getting. But the Rams instant these people are trying to talk themselves into and trying to be contrarian on Twitter who think that the Rams got the raw end of the deal with getting Matt Stafford. They're just, they're just must be Matt Stafford haters. I'm not going through all their mentions or Twitter tweets throughout their existence, but they must just always hate Matt Stafford because Matt Stafford with Sean McVay is amazing. Matt Stafford was already better quarterback than Jared Goff without McVay. And Jared Goff had McVay. Now he's going to go over to with McVay. I mean, it's unbelievable what they have built in the Rams. They don't give a shit about first round draft picks. And they're like, we got the team. We want to win now. And I think they will. I mean, like, that's a pretty tough team to beat, you know, defensively. And then offensively, now they're going to be able to do a lot more and open up the playbook. I do think uh, Stafford is is an improvement over golf pretty clearly. I, I think he's a better quarterback. I know, you know, a lot of people are going back to the QB win stuff now and, and saying that, oh, uh, well, Stafford never wins. Well, Stafford has been on the lions. I mean, it's not like it's been a super well-run organization. I think Stafford's always performed well for the most part. Um, 
so I do think he's an upgrade over Goff, but I do, I do find it funny that the Rams had to pay so much in draft capital to get rid of Goff because that's, you know, Stafford himself was not worth two first round picks and a third. It was one of those first round picks was probably for Stafford. And then the first and the third was probably, Hey, can you also take Goff's contract? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's kind of what they had to pay to do. Um, so I, I find it a funny trade all, all around. Um, and I think it makes the Rams better. I'm not, I'm not sure it makes them like instant Super Bowl contenders necessarily. I, I think they'll be among the best teams in the NFC. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. I, do you guys think Goff ever takes a snap as the Lions quarterback? Or do you think they, they try to flip him for something else? Or You know, or I thought about that. What if they different? tried to flip him? What if they flip yeah. him to the Colts? Please. Oh, please. Please. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I thought about that, but I think that's going to be hard to flip golf without having to do what the Rams did. Because like you said, you do have the the problem with his contract. And I find it, I know other teams can take on his contract, but it's going to be tough. I mean, speaking of, I know, I guess the theme today has been me talking about morons, but speaking of morons, Jared Goff is a fucking moron. So like, he's not smart. This is the guy that didn't know where the sunset or and rose. Like, have we all forgot about that? Jared Goff is not a smart person. And like, to me, it's just, you know, I think you're kind of stuck with Jared Goff now, whether they draft the quarterback of the future or something like that, you know, Maybe, but those first round picks are not for this year. They're for next year. So maybe they're planning on for next year to draft that quarterback of the future, but we'll see. I mean, you know, Anthony Lynn is the offensive coordinator up in Detroit. I mean, obviously they draft DeAndre Swift really high because they're going to be running the ball like crazy because they're not going to want to put the hands in Jared Goff's um, or put the ball in Jared Goff's hands because he will make mistakes because Kenny Galladay is a free agent. Marvin Jones is a free agent. It's, it's going to be a weird year up in Detroit, and I think for team-building purposes for the future, great. For instant impact, not great. So do you think Anthony Lynn is pissed off that <clears throat> he takes the coordinator job in Detroit, think he's going to work with Stafford? <laughs> well, apparently they hired all these people with the understanding that Stafford was not going to be on the roster. Okay, fair enough. Uh, that, that's that's now that hasn't been confirmed by Dan Campbell. Uh, he was too busy talking about eating people's kneecaps and stuff. But <laughs> that, was, that was a lot. Yeah, but they apparently that's why they all got like six year contracts because they knew that this was going to be a rebuilding process and they knew Stafford wasn't a part of it. So reportedly, allegedly, I just I feel like if I'm Anthony Lynn, just because you've been in L.A., there's a little bit of proximity there, right? All of a sudden, you look up and Jared Goff is potentially your quarterback, and I just think I, if I'm Anthony Lynn, I'm thinking, motherfucker. <laughs> He's basically He's got, got a a more mistake prone Tyrod Taylor now, or Two Rod, whatever his name is, what he's ever trying to claim his name is now. Jared Goff, aka Brock Osweiler. Good luck. I really think he's just going to get traded somewhere else. The Colts are going to play him six games. They're going to realize he sucks ass. They're going to cut him. He's going to go almost seventy-two million dollars and do nothing, like like Brock Osweiler. Um, 
So I love how we just blew right through the Super Bowl. I just, I really just don't have a lot of desire to talk about it. I'm going to bet on it. There's a, like a thousand different prop bets, but that's what I'm interested in. It's like the prop bets. Other than that, I don't know. I just don't really care. We'll talk about it next week when, uh, when the game actually happens, but it's Tom Brady again, and I just don't care. I'm, I, I've had enough Brady. I've had enough of Brady. Let's really let have. this one be the last year. Yeah, I really just I need to move on from Brady. It's it's not it's not enjoyable to watch anymore. Well, gentlemen, we've done a lot this morning. Um, so that's going to do it for us. Uh, football, another F word. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. You can find us all over at broadwaysportsmedia.com. You can come check out articles from Zach and Mike. You cannot check out articles from me because I do not know how to write. So that's that's just how it's going to stay. Uh, again, football, another F words. Thank you for tuning in. You have just been effed. Broadway Sports Media Production.